Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and we are spending some time in the book of Ecclesiastes. It is a great book, detailing Solomon's journey to find meaning, wisdom, and contentment in life. If a person doesn't understand that in his presentation of his findings, Solomon is considering life without God at its center, then it will truly prove to be vanity of vanities. But if a person understands that Solomon is really contrasting life with God to life without God, the meaning becomes clearer. Now I realize that that is a very simplistic approach to the book, but there's not much point in making it more difficult than it is. The message is there to be understood and to be appreciated. Let us go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 12. In this we can see that with God, companionship has great value. The passage says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either one of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Before we progress, look at the description of the man presented in chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, There was a man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, And for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity, and it is a grievous task. That wealthy man is depicted as being alone, as living essentially as a miser. What a contrast to see between him and what we read in verses 9 through 12. Solomon is teaching us how important and valuable companionship is. When Solomon began in verse 9 by saying two are better than one, it does apply to, but should not be limited to, marriage. It can and should apply to all different kinds of relationships. Life is not easy, and companionships help reduce the difficulties in life, not in terms of taking them away, but making them more bearable and easily handled. Solomon sets forth four benefits of companionship. First, work is more productive. Notice that he wrote, because they have a good return for their labor. Studies have shown, as well as common sense has demonstrated it, that two people working alone do not accomplish as much as two people working together. With someone to help, work is easier and it is faster. It reminds me of Nehemiah in his work of rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. You might recall when Simbalad and Tobiah the Ammonite rose up to disturb and try to stop the rebuilding of the wall, 
that the people who had come to Jerusalem were afraid. So Nehemiah took steps to remedy that situation. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 14 through 23, we see a classic example of how what may not be able to be accomplished by one person can be accomplished through the companionship of many. This is what it says. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. And it came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates. And the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who would carry burdens took their load with one hand, doing the work, and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeters stood near me. And I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with them, half holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time I also said to the people, Let each man with his servant spend the night within Jerusalem, so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. By working together, even in frightening circumstances, the remnant were able to accomplish a tremendous task of rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem in a very short period of time. Indeed, chapter 6 and verse 15 tells us that it was done in 52 days. Another advantage to companionship is that mutual care is given. Should it happen that tragedy strikes one of them, the other can lift him up. In other words, if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. Isn't it great to have a partner there to offer assistance? Just think about how many tragedies occur that would turn out to be deadly if there was no one available to help. Hence Solomon wrote, But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. We all know that cooperative efforts have a greater likelihood of success. I guess we could say that verses 9 and 10 are advocating and extolling the virtues of teamwork. This is a principle that is well illustrated in the New Testament. For example, look at Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, where we find, Now after this the Lord appointed seventy others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. My friends, think about the Apostle Paul. Paul always went on his trips with the companions such as Barnabas, Silas, or Timothy, and he received great encouragement and support from them. I think we find an expression of how much companionship meant to the Apostle Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome for the final time. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9-11, through 11, Paul wrote these words to Timothy, 
make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. My friends, I can attest to the fact that when one goes off to work all by himself, it is easy to grow discouraged. In life and in the struggles that are just part of life, we need others to encourage us, to assist us, to build us up from time to time. Statistics prove that the enormous advantage of having several people working together in the area of evangelism. It is actually true that one person can do less than half of what two can do together. This happens to be called synergism. What that is is the effective bringing together of energy. Two are better than one. A third benefit to be derived from companionship is that warmth is offered. Solomon wrote, furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? This principle applies to marriage, obviously, but also we know that travelers in ancient Israel would sleep close together on cold winter nights. And so doing one can draw heat from the other's body. Both literally and figuratively, marriage can help a couple survive the storms of life. It is beautiful how much can be accomplished working together. There's still a fourth benefit provided through companionship. That is, safety is increased. We have all heard the expression, there is safety in numbers. Solomon himself said, and if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. We recognize this in a very simple way. When we go about our work, it is very best to have a partner, one to help us as we carry out our tasks. There is safety and companionship. Where else can you find a truer illustration of this principle than that parable of the Good Samaritan we find in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37? It tells us, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, A certain man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him, and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put them on, put him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him, and Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. It is interesting that according to Solomon's example, 
Having a companion is like having the strength of a cord of three strands. With this full measure of strength, it is very difficult to break. In the ancient world, a cord of three strands was a proverbial expression indicating strength. Brethren, think of some of the biblical examples of companionship and what was able to be accomplished through that. I think initially of Adam and Eve. Do you recall why Eve was created in the first place? In Genesis 2 and verse 18 we find, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. If we move down a few verses and pick up in verse 21, reading through verse 24, we find, So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Consider also Moses and Aaron. In Exodus 4, as God was calling upon Moses to fulfill his responsibility as the one who would lead the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage and into the promised land, we find the following beginning in verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever thou wilt. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart, and you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and it shall be about, come about that he shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be as God to him. What a magnificent portrayal of the power of companionship. We all know what the outcome was. These two extraordinary men, working together via the authority of God, were able to accomplish one of the most epic tasks in history. How about David and Jonathan? One would be hard-pressed to find closer companions than these two. Do you remember the incredible scene in 1 Samuel 20 when Jonathan gave the warning to David through the shooting of arrows that it was not safe for him? In verses 41 through 42 we find, When the lad was gone, David rose from the south side and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed each other and wept together. But David said, More. And Jonathan said to David, Go in safety, inasmuch as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord will be between me and you, and between my descendants and your descendants forever. Then he rose and departed, while Jonathan went into the city. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and finish out that chapter. Verses 13 through 16 read as follows. A poor yet wise lad is better than an old and foolish king, who no longer knows how to receive instruction. 
for he has come out of prison to become a king, even though he was born poor in his kingdom. I have seen all the living under the sun thronged to the side of the second lad who replaces him. There is no end to all the people, to all who were before them, and even the ones who will come later will not be happy with them, for this too is vanity and striving after wind. These verses seem to me to be an illustration of the benefits of companionship. You have an old foolish king who thinks himself to be full of wisdom, but he is so foolish as to think he does not need someone else's help or counsel. Everybody needs companionship and advice. I think there might even be a greater principle seen here as well. A young man who will listen to the advice of others when it is well given is better than an old king who has forgotten how to receive instructions. That young man may be poor, but he is wise, for no one is ever too old to learn from others. So there is no doubt that the Bible speaks highly of companionship. But at the same time, remember, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It stands to reason that, as valuable as companionship is, it has to be with the right kind of people. The prodigal son had plenty of companionship when he was spending all his money in riotous living, but when the money was gone, so were his companions. When he was in such need, they were nowhere to be found. Just recently, we celebrated the 60th wedding anniversary of some members of the congregation. If the Lord wills in February, we will celebrate the 75th anniversary of another couple of the congregation. They can all tell us about companionship and the benefits to be derived therefrom. I believe if you were to talk to any one of them, they would tell you how important that other person has been in making their lives in service to God as fulfilling and as wonderful as they have been. Remember, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Thanks for listening.